Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I'm joined by long-term Paragold resident and cancer survivor, Brad Pollard. Brad, thanks so much for coming on today. All right. Thank you for having me. So you and I are the same age. Graduated from, I graduated from Paragold High School 2001. You graduated from Tech 2001. I know we've had a lot of the uh, same friends. Now we get to be in a church together. Um, and I'm excited to dive into your story because I really believe, Brad, that, that it's a story that can help a lot of people. I, I want you to take me back to 2003. Uh, that was a very challenging year for you and your family. You were at University of Arkansas and you were diagnosed with stage four testicular cancer. Um, which is not news anybody wants to hear, especially when you're in, I guess, your second year of college. So take me back 2003. Um, were you fairly healthy? Was it, did this come completely out of left field, or were you beginning to have some symptoms? What was going on that eventually led you to the doctor to get this diagnosis? Yeah, um, 2003 at University of Arkansas. You know, there just a time when I started feeling really, really tired and kind of sick. I went to a doctor, and they said, mainly you had the flu. And so uh, I guess I let that stand for a few moments, and I called my mother and let them tell and I told her all my symptoms. And um, she dug into the – she's a nurse, so she dug into the computer and started researching. And she finally figured out what she thought was going on. And so she said, come home immediately. Mm. And I was like, well, it's only one week till spring break. And so she said, now. What were your symptoms? Basically, I uh, just really, really tired, didn't eat much. Um, yeah. Like flu-like symptoms? Yeah, flu-like symptoms. Yeah, okay. And so you go home? Yeah, I go home, and uh, my mom said, I'm going to go to the urologist on Tuesday. I say, okay, let's do it. And so my mom works in St. Bernard's at the time, and so my dad took me to the urologist, and he told me, he said, whatever happens, happens. He said, we'll be behind you 100%. So the urologist does this thing, and he goes ahead and tells me, you have cancer, stage 4 testicular cancer. And I'm like, well, we're going to do it. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to be a fighter. So you found that you have stage 4 testicular cancer. What does that mean for those who aren't familiar with the different stages? So if you're stage four, where is the cancer at at that point in your body? Well, that's kind of the tricky part. Uh, once we went to the hospital and they did a lot of blood work, they found out it was stage four. And it, had, when it was basically you know, diagnosed as testicular cancer, but it had spread to the liver, lungs, and brain. Jeez. So it's in your brain, too. In my brain, yeah. What, what was that like? So... Are you sitting in a room when you got that news in the in the doctor's office? They call you and tell you on the phone. Where were you at whenever you found that out? Yeah, I was at the doctor's office. I think we had just left and we got a phone call and said, you, you have stage four cancer. We're going to admit you immediately. They told you that over the phone? Yeah. Jeez. So I guess was your did your mom receive that call? Um, and then she told you? or you Yeah, because she, she was a St. Bernard employee, so they called her first. So what were you feeling and kind of thinking at that point? You're 19, 20? 20. You're 20 years old. Yeah. At that point, I mean, every 20-year-old's invincible, right? It's like, I'm going to live forever. But, like, you just found that out. Like, what was going through your mind at that moment? Well, at that moment, 
I guess I thought, you know, whatever it is, I mean, we're going to fight it. We're going to work as hard as we can to beat this thing. Yeah. And so do you, you said you go back to the hospital right after that? After yeah, we went back to the hospital. They, immediately, they admitted me immediately. Okay. And why did they admit you immediately? Like, did, they, did you start chemo right then? What was going on? They just wanted to run a lot more tests, and then I think the following day we started chemo. Okay. And so what are you hearing as far as a prognosis? Are you hearing like, hey, man, like you're young, you're healthy, you're going to beat this thing? Or are they telling you like, this don't look good? Like what are you hearing from your doctors at that point? Yeah, I mean, they don't, it does not look good. Uh, they tell them mama's going to die. Seriously? Very much seriously. She didn't tell me that, but they told her, be, be prepared for him to die. Jeez. Did you ever think at any point that you were going to die? Um, well, I got pneumonia when I was in the hospital, and I thought, this is it. More than likely, if I'm my, my, uh, my blood cells or my white blood cells were so low, I didn't think I'd be able to fight it. How old were you then? Still 20. Oh, geez. So you get diagnosed. Do you remember the, the month? So I guess it was in March-ish? It was in March of 2003. And when did you get the pneumonia? Um, I really don't know. But sometime that year. So you had just started I, I was still in the hospital. Okay, so you had just started chemo. Mm-hmm. Uh, radiation as well? We did a lot of radiation. Okay. Started chemo radiation. You get um, pneumonia. And then what happens, like, when you get pneumonia? Like, just like what's happening to your body? Just you, you're, you're not able to breathe on your own? Like, what's Well, you're, you're able to breathe, but really they call it neutropenic. When you're neutropenic, there's no family that can come in the room. So you're by yourself for a pretty long period of time. Jeez, that's after you got the pneumonia? Or before? That's after you got pneumonia or before? Yeah, that was after I got pneumonia. Okay. So, man, so you've got... Just think about that for a second. Like, not just rush past it. Twenty-year-old, stage four cancer, mm-hmm. with pneumonia. Uh, you're very sick, I guess. At that point, like you had to feel pretty crappy. <laughs> very, very much so. I mean, you're on chemo, so you're tired all the time, and you're sick. You know, chemo, you're not doing well at all. You're feeling bad every day, and your family can't even come in to see you. Not at that point. So how long were you kind of, I mean, obviously I know doctors and nurses were coming in, but how long were you isolated from your family at that point? It was probably a week. Jeez. So for a whole week, you're not able to really be around your family, which is for your protection, obviously. You think you're dying? No, I didn't think I was dying. You didn't think you were dying at that point? No, because, you know, the nurses were just, you know, staying, just hanging there. We'll fight this and it'll be over. We'll give you all the antibiotics you need, all everything. So at that point then, um, maybe I misunderstood you. I thought you said at one point you thought that you were close to death. Was it at that point or was it a different point that you thought you were? Well, like, maybe I mean, I really don't know what, when the exact point, but yeah, right. pneumonia and that kind of, you know, if anybody ever had pneumonia, they can't breathe very well. Yeah. During that, you know, when you have cancer, that's kind of a death sentence, if you will. Yes, yeah. So I'm just curious if you can remember back to that place, Brad, like what was going through your mind at that point? Like I know you're trying to fight it. You're trying to be brave. You're trying to be strong. That's that's heroic. But there had to be moments of like some fear, maybe some doubt, some questioning of I don't know if you had a, if you had faith at that point in God or like 
what it was her prayers like what was your life looking like at that point was there bargaining with god like god you got to get me out of this situation like what was going on in your mind your heart kind of in that time yeah i mean i've been a christian for a long time since then i had faith that that god would pull me through this and that i wasn't going to die we're just going to be as strong as you could and you're going to fight for your life okay so eventually you you come out of the pneumonia yes Okay. Yes, I do. So things start looking a little bit better. I mean, I'm still going through chemo and radiation, so everything's st- still up in the air. Okay, so still, like, not out of the woods yet. No, not far from so it. So t- tell me the rest of the story, kind of what goes on from there, like, for that year and as you continue in the, in the treatments. what's what's What are you hearing? What's yeah, going on? Yeah, when, when I got to feeling better, we, they put me in outpatient chemo. We had, um, I think, 21 treatments of radiation in a row. Which is really, I had all the tumors in my brain, probably six or seven. And so we needed radiation every day to your brain. And when you've never had radiation, it, it feels like a metallic taste in your mouth. And it just, it just was like your legs, they explained it like a whole day on the beach. And you're just totally drained. Was the chemo, is the radiation worse than the chemo as far as side effects for you? Don't know. I mean, I would say no, just because it's pretty fast. So you're in and out in less than 30 minutes. Mm. So you're taking the radiation, taking the chemo, and you're getting hit heavy with it at this point. Very much so. Okay. Um, when, at what point did you go and get another check and you start finding out, like, when you went and had your next scan, was it like, okay, this is working? Or at that point, like, we're still not sure what's happening? Yeah, they were they were pretty positive about it, said this is working. Okay. So, yeah, you take your radiation, take your chemotherapy, that's going on. How long was that? A full, was that a year? Yeah, it was a full year. Okay, full year. And then what happens from there? Um, well, one thing I say is my tumor marker went down. This is kind of what your level of cancer is at that point. Went way down, and my father and I took a trip to Tampa Bay and watched the Rays play and did some playing golf. Mm. We came back, and my, my tumor marker went sky high. So, of course, that was really scary at that point. Yeah, that had to be super discouraging. Yeah. Yes, it is. And so the cancer is coming back? Yeah, it came back. Did they tell you that was going to happen? No, it, it, it had gone down so far, they looked like we are in getting closer to, the, you know, being in remission. Yeah, so where are you at at that point emotionally and mentally when it comes back? You said it was scary. Like, where are you at at that point? What's going through your mind? What are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I'm just like, my God, you know, I, I've been faithful and everything, and so now we're going to get hit with this again. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think that would be most people's response. I mean, even me as a as a pastor, it's like, uh, yeah, I think it's easy whenever I'm <clears throat> encountering suffering to go to that place where I'm like, God, why? And it's, you know, it's, you read the scriptures and it's clear like Jesus is like in this life you're going to have a lot of trouble like he never promises an easy life but then like when suffering hits you or hits someone personally it's easy to feel like yeah God are you are you ignoring me are you punishing me like why are you not helping me here and it sounds like that's some of even the questions you were asking right yeah I never thought I was getting punished just I just thought what's, what's your reasoning behind it I really didn't have a reasoning I thought. If God puts you through this, he's going to pull you through it. Yeah. So I knew this would be another fight, you know. Yeah. I was on that. There's no, no, no other answer except it's, it's another fight. 
Yeah. So like, I don't fully understand it then what you're saying. It's not like I fully understand God, what you're doing, but I trust, I have enough faith still that like you're up to something, you're still going to pull me through it. Definitely. So you begin your next round of, I guess, chemo radiation. Well, that's where it, it, there's a little bit of thing. We had to go to UAMS to get the high dose chemo. And so we were there probably starting in November and went to, and went all the way to the end of December to, to UMS. Okay. And then from there? So at, at UMS, we just did real high-dose chemo. And by January 1st, they said, you're in remission. So, of course, we were all excited and everything, you know, that, that you'd, beat, you'd beat cancer. And, of course, that was the best feeling I'd ever had. Mm. Yeah. You were how old? You said I, I turned twenty one in October. Okay, so twenty one. That point, you feel like you beat cancer. It's behind you, right? Yeah, I mean, they said that you're not going to be in full remission for till ten years because your your cancer is so aggressive. Okay, and then is that around the time that the stroke happened? No, because like I said, cancer was two thousand three. Then you go way back to two thousand fourteen, and then. Uh, you know, everybody thinks it's radiation because there's so much radiation that your body can that, that I went through that there's bound to be effects down the road. So you said your stroke was in 2014. Yeah, there's way down the road. Okay, yeah. see, I didn't know that. Were you cancer free from 2003 all the way to 2014? Yes, sir. Awesome, right, sir. excellent, man. Um, and I guess you've been in remission since then. Yeah, uh, next year in 2023 will be 20 years. That's great. Awesome. Um, so then let's fast forward to 2014. Life's going well. Yeah, life's going well. Were there any lasting effects from your radiation and chemo at that point? Uh, probably not at that point. Okay. All right. So 2014, you feel pretty healthy? Feel pretty yeah, strong? Yeah, still real healthy. And, and then one day I was living in West Memphis at the time, and I, I called my mom and I said, you know, I think we just had a stroke. And, of course, she's like, Say what? And she tells me to go try to pick up a knife, and I, I know when I tried to pick up a knife, I couldn't, I couldn't pick it up because my hand was so weak. And so, and at that point, she was like, "You really don't have to go to the hospital. Um, just, just talk to me daily, and we'll, we'll, we'll go from there." What ha What had happened? Uh, how did you know, Brad, that you had had? What made you think you had had a stroke? You know, I just felt it. I mean, I just kind of, you know, it's out of normal. Everything was going good. And then all of a sudden, there's something kind of, I'm not sure what it was, but it was just one of the things that you just kind of feel something's different. Were you at home? Yeah, I was at home. Mm. And so you didn't go to the hospital? No, she said it's, it's already done. I mean, I, no, you, she said what's done is done. So when did you did you actually go to the hospital after that at some point and be like, all right, let's get a scan and let's find out for sure we had a yeah, stroke? Yeah, we went and got a scan to make sure it wasn't cancerous. Okay, but they were like, no cancer, but yes, you had a stroke. No cancer, but yes, you had a stroke. Jeez. So how did that impact you? Like, Well, I knew I'd already been through cancer. And I knew I, I could you know, go through and beat this. And basically what had to happen was I had to go through occupational therapy to get you know, back to where I could button my shirts and tie my shoes and... Everything that this is fine motor skills. Okay, so you so then it was impacting you your, your muscles. Then you couldn't tie, you couldn't button your shirt, couldn't tie your shoes. That's huge, man. Yeah, at that point, my nephew's like, "What? I'm five and I can tie my shoes." 
Jeez. And so it's affecting your muscles as far as your your hearing, any of that kind of stuff. Was that impacted from that, or was that from radiation? How was? I think that was from radiation. Okay. So then you start the therapy. Do you feel like you've gained all that muscle strength back? Has there been any lasting effects, or is it? Still- yeah, it's been a lot. There's been a lot of lasting effects. It's just if it, my left side is so weak. You know, it affects me when I'm lifting weights, anything, typing. Definitely typing was the biggest biggest drawback. Mm. These things that we often take for granted, uh, yeah, strength in both sides of our body, you know, being able to type, whatever else, tie, shoe, uh, hear, you know, crystal clear, whatever. Like, these are things that you at least at this point, uh, don't get to experience it completely, perfectly, as maybe some people might. I- I'm curious for you, Brad, like, how have you been able to remain positive in the midst of that? Because I would think, for me at least, this is just my temptation, I'm telling on myself here, as I tend to can compare myself to other people at times, and I can be like, man, like, how come they have this better than me, or they have more of that, or whatever else. Do you find yourself doing that at all? Of ever like comparing and being like, "Man, I wish I had, you know, more strength or this or that as this person," or, or have you kind of come to this place of contentment where you're like, "This is just what I have, and this is where I am, and like I'm going to make the best of it." Like I'm just curious, like how have you processed all that, or are you processing? You know, that? I look at some people, especially at the gym, and I'm like, they can use they can use both hands; they're, they're strong, and I felt strong, but my hand and my left side was so weak. And anyway, I was just like, man, this is just another another step in the road. It's another bump in the road. And we're going to get past it. Yeah. You feel like you have at this point? Yeah, as far as, far as I'm concerned, I, got, I haven't really passed it. What advice do you have for maybe other people, uh, whether it's cancer or a stroke or some other kind of health issue or just a setback? What would you tell that person on on how to handle it? What are some things you've learned that would be good for them maybe to hear to encourage them? I just say stay positive. That's the only really thing you can do is that you got to fight, and you got to fight for all your life. How do you stay positive? Because I hear you say that, and I'm like, that's a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, like, because to me it doesn't feel like the brain is just like a – you know, it's like if someone's worrying and they're anxious and I go up and I'm just like, don't worry. Don't worry it's not like you said like, oh, yeah, oh. I didn't think about that. Well, I will, okay, I'll stop worrying. It's like, so, you know, when you say stay positive, I'm like, yeah, that's really important, but that's really, really hard for most people. So I'm curious, like, are there things that you've done to help you stay positive? Are there Are there practices that you have? Are there habits? Are there books or their mentors or is it your faith like what is it that you feel like has allowed you to stay positive it's definitely my faith you know faith in jesus christ and everything like that Mm. what is it about your faith you think that helps you be positive i mean you know you know if god's behind you there's nothing else you need really that's just kind of my opinion yeah And, and something else i would say brad just from talking with you and knowing you is um one of the ways I think you do say positive is, yeah, it's your faith, but also you've 
looked for ways to serve others. Like, so rather than just kind of sit in self-pity and be like, oh, why me? But you've done that some, but not much. Like, you have looked for opportunities to be a blessing. Um, yes, sir, exactly. I'd love for you just to speak about some of that. Uh, it was kind of heavy on my heart. I went and talked to the GCT, a principal at the time, and asked him if I could go talk to the boys' health class. And he said yes. So I got to go down to the boys' health class and just tell them, you know, what to look for, signs and not, you know, maybe not. If you see something, you know, you have to be alert and you have to tell your parents or another person that you trust and see what the best thing to do is. Excellent. Well, I'm curious, Brad, before we move into the rapid-fire questions, um, what's what's next for you in your life at this point? Yeah, well, I've been umpiring for probably 20 years now. I do a lot of umpiring in South Mississippi at Snowden Grove. And that's travel baseball, so, you know, you can umpire anywhere from 10-year-olds to 18-year-olds. And one thing... With your younger kids, it's a lot of mentoring. It's a lot of, mm. a lot of helping them, showing them how to do one thing or another, hitting the ball or pitching. And so I can come and, and talk to them, give them encouragement, you know, with, with everything on, on, you know, just playing baseball and just making sure they have more fun. Mm. It's not. It's just a game, you know. It's not something that's going to affect you long term. Yeah. It's excellent, man. Well, I love your heart. Um, why don't we get into some rapid-fire questions here? I know you listen to the podcast, uh, so you're familiar with rapid-fire, right? Yes, I am. All right, so here we go. First question. What is either the last show or movie that you watched or a book that you read? Uh, the last book I read is John Grissom, uh, Camino Island. Okay, little yeah. John Grisham. Wow. Yeah. You a John Grisham fan, Robert? I'm only because he's from Arkansas. Okay, right on. Favorite band? Um, probably Led Zeppelin. Ooh, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? Simple Man. Okay, hey, that's a good one. He knows. Right on. Uh, what is your favorite meal? Probably biscuits and gravy. Yes, oh, I man. like this guy. Sausage gravy? Oh, oh, definitely. Is there a place in town that you get a good biscuit and gravy, or is it something you just should make at home? Yeah, definitely Iron Horse. Okay. Man. I've not had, I mean, I've not had biscuits and gravy in a long time because of the, the gluten allergy. Oh, I got you. Iron Horse synonymous with breakfast in my in my vocabulary. Well, <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah, you need to try it. Thank you, Iron Horse, for sponsoring today's show. Uh, what is on your nightstand right now? A lamp, the John Grisham book, and then there's a book called 365 Days to the Bible. Yeah, okay. Um, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Um, being around my sisters, they're all amazing. They've all helped me through cancer, through the stroke, through everything I've, I've been through. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? I'm deeply grateful for my relationship with Jesus and my family. Awesome. Brad, man. It's good to be able to spend time with you. I know you have gone through a lot, and uh, the fact that you're still smiling, mm. that you still have your faith, that you still want to serve other people and give back, truly is inspiring, man. So thank you so much for making space to be here, and uh, I know it's going to really bless a lot of other people. I sure hope so.
And Brad Pollard has left the building. I love his servant heart. Uh, mm. You know, even when we were leaving, he was talking to us and he was saying, hey, I hear they're handing out candy today downtown, the trick-or-treaters, and how can I serve? When can I be yeah. here? And uh, that's just kind of who Brad is. Yeah, I know him too. I, um, we have a group of people that help with the um, the clothing closet for Together We Foster. And anytime that we're there, he's always asking like, hey, when are we going to go? I want to be there. He's always down there just volunteering, serving, always looking for ways to, to help out. Awesome. Well, Brad, thanks so much for coming on and sharing some of your story with us. And uh, for those of you who are tuning in, thanks so much for listening. If you've not done so, please check us out on different social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Also, we're on Spotify and iTunes. And if you've not already done so, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people living right here in Paragold. So as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.